Hello, friends, and welcome to the Bloom Pod. I'm your host, Lauren Taylor, and I'm so excited to encourage the heck out of you over the next 60-ish minutes. We're having conversations that will ignite your spark and challenge you to embrace your real. We're breaking down barriers and encouraging you to embrace the incredible queen you are. Basically, we're having a giant slumber party and you're going to leave feeling inspired, encouraged to step into your power. So turn up the volume and get ready to bloom with us. everyone. Welcome back to the Bloom Pod. I am your host, Lauren Taylor. And today on the pod, we have Delapo Balagan, who embarks on the world as an author, registered dietitian, nutritionist. She hopes that by telling her story, you may find the encouragement you need to make positive changes in your own life and bloom into your faith, healing, and self-love. Hi, babe. How oh are gosh, you? I literally just got the chills. That was so good. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that was so like, humbling. Like, thank you. Hi. Oh, oh my gosh. Hi. Oh my goodness. Before off air, I was telling Adelapa that she is just glowing from like the inside out. And I'm just so excited for our conversation today. I know. I feel like every time that we've gotten together and like talked, it's always just been such a good conversation and just very wholesome. Like, I'm so excited. Yes. Okay. I would love for you to share your journey in becoming a registered dietitian nutritionist because that is phenomenal. So please give us all the yummy details and how you got started with that. I love that little pun. Uh, yummy details. That's really good. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, yeah. So I officially became RDN in June 2020, 2022. I passed my RD exam on the first try, which is like, crazy. But basically the road to becoming a dietitian, it's not easy at all. And there are a lot of barriers to entry, I will say so myself. So basically undergrad, you have to graduate with, you know, your degree in dietetics. Now they're kind of requiring you to complete your master's degree, um, which is another like two, sometimes three years of school on top of that. Then you have to, you know, do an unpaid internship where you do clinical rotations, food service rotations, and community rotations, you amass um, a certain number of hours. So my specific internship provided me with almost 1,500 hours. You only need 1,200, but I got 15. Um, And I completed it within nine months at the University of California, San Diego Health, which is like one of the top clinical um, internships in the entire country. And that internship is so crazy because they it's super competitive like this field is so competitive to actually get into your internship they only accept 10 interns in a year and so I remember I'm like dude I don't know the first thing about like a hospital I don't even know what protein does for the body like just major like imposter (laughs) syndrome like to the max and for some reason this internship is on my heart like I feel like God wouldn't give you the vision without giving you the provisions for it I remember going out to a trip to San Diego with my best friend and I like walked the streets. I was like, these are the streets I'm going to walk to the hospital every day. Like just really like putting this visualization thing to, to work. And so I connected with the internship director over LinkedIn and then we hopped on a Zoom call together and we were talking about the internship and stuff. And then I remember asking her, you know, this was around the time that all the racial tensions were really high in America with George Floyd. 
And I asked her, I was like, you know, what has UCSD been doing with diversity, you know, in the hospital and everything? And, you know, she gave me her answer, but then she let me know that the program, which has been in existence for a a while now, has never had an African-American graduate through the internship. And I'm like, what? Like we were like, it was unreal. Like we were just kind of like, gosh, yeah, we were just kind of like, she was like, I feel so embarrassed that I even have to say that. And it was almost like we just couldn't move past that part in the conversation. um, Because it was just like, wow, gosh, like this is, you know, at this point, it was 2020. But we're like, it's 2020. How have you not had somebody, you know, of color go through this program and finish? And so I remember applying for the internships, I applied to, you know, other ones in the country. But I was like, no, I'm going to apply to this one. Like, I don't care if I don't have the experience. So going to do it. I applied for it and I had some backup places and which I did get accepted to. But I was like, no, no, no. Like, I'm going to keep my application in for UCSD. Like, I'm going to do it. Literally, I got an email about how I was selected as a top 30 applicant. I was like, oh my gosh, this is real. This could actually be my reality. This is insane. So I'm freaking out. Like we're about to do like, you know, a Zoom interview. When I tell you it was the worst interview of my entire life. Like I was so nervous. Like I had so many filler words just looking across the room. Like I just, I even wore my lucky Zoom sweater. I was just like, I need everything to help me out here. And then literally, you know, one of the last questions was, you know, why should we pick you? And it was like something in me just clicked. I just kind of was like my whole thing with being a dietitian is only there's only about 2.6% of African-Americans in our field right now. So it is a very white cis female field. And so that obviously brings, I don't want to say incompetence, but um, I just feel like certain people can't relate to their providers if they don't look like them. Like, you know, food is culture. And I feel like, you know, especially people of color, food tells a story and we should honor that. Um, And that's where a lot of our roots come from. That was like kind of the answer like I gave. And then um, match day was approaching and I log onto the computer and I matched to UCSD. So it was insane. Like I was able to go through that program um, and I finished year and then sat for the board exam about three weeks after graduation and then passed so now I'm officially an RD (laughs) oh my gosh girl congrats wow what a feeling I mean you spoke on it in terms of visualization and walking the streets of like okay like I'm gonna be here and just really inviting that energy into your mindset and into the essence of who you are and then to actually be there get through. I mean, I'm sure that just has to be one of those unforgettable moments for you. Yeah, for sure. Like it was just one of those things, you know, um, I'm a believer. And so my faith in God and Jesus Christ is super important to me and is just the foundation of everything I do now. And so it's, it's a feeling when you just kind of tell God what you want and what you're believing for. But then it's another thing to actually take small, actionable steps in faith. You still have to put in that work. And so for me, like I was networking, I was like 
I reached out to the internship director, like put my face in front of her. So she knew when I applied, like she knew what I looked like and what I sounded like and things like that. So, you know, I actually put in the work, but faith and action, like they go hand in hand. And so of course we're going to have that natural fear, but it's like when you just understand like the power that you have inside of you to actually take those small steps, like you can do anything like that you set your mind to. I can think back to so many moments of my life where it's been surprising to me, at least, even though I think, I think in the back of our heads, we're like, okay, like we really want this. We have a passion for it. It's going to happen somehow. Maybe we don't know how it's going to happen. God really does like surprise us. And it really like, it brings everything together. And this is also too, why I love in terms of like visualization, manifesting, connecting with yourself and your faith. It's like, I think as we go through life, the spiritual aspect is so important and like whatever you believe in, but it's so important because energetically, like whatever you are putting out, you're also receiving back. So you putting out that hard work, you putting out your, your passion and your heart that all then like came back to you. So I really do believe in that law of attraction and truly anything is possible. And I, I'm just so proud of you. I mean, what an incredible accomplishment. Yeah. And like now the impact that you could make, I saw recently on your blog, you were speaking about a mindful movement is the move Mm -hmm. and like how you got into Pilates a bit. So I'd love for you to like talk about that. Oh, I could rave about Pilates all day. I'm like, it is really like the best thing ever. I'm like, how did I just now like know about this? But honestly, everything happens and it's when it's supposed to. I was a college basketball player all of my life. Basketball, obviously it's a super intense sport. Like we're in the weight room, lifting heavy, conditioning, things like that. But my junior year of college, I actually tore my ACL. It really shifted Um, my mindset and my relationship with my body in kind of a very negative way to start because I was always like the strongest person in the weight room. Like that's just like where I found my worth. I tore my ACL and here I am with like the inability to walk. Like I basically have to relearn how to walk, how to run again, like how to lift weights again. And just the humbling that something like that does to you, you don't understand how to be thankful for it until you look back at it like in retrospection you know I couldn't move the same when I was recovering from the injury I actually had three knee surgeries after that yeah it was it was very very tough and I was like I almost felt betrayed by my body in a way because I'm like you can't do the same things that you did before that you found your worth in so like now who are you and so it was almost like this like journey of just rediscovering who I am, but through the relationship with my body and health and wellness. And so post-college life, you know, when I transitioned to life after sport, things became very, very slow. I had a final knee surgery where I was talking to my physical therapist and I was like, I just want to be normal. And it's like, we don't understand like just the little things that we take for granted. Like I was like, I just want to be able to go for a long walk and not have to ice my knee after. Like, I just want to be able to touch my toes when I stretch, like just small, small things that you don't even think about. My guy back in New Jersey, you know, he helped me out really well and things were great. I was super intentional about stretching. I did a lot of yoga as well. And so over time, my knee was as close to what I knew it to be, which was really, really great. 
but it was a lot of slow movements that got me there. And I don't, there's something about slowness and patience that is so aggravating sometimes. Like, I feel like what's so nice about like high intensity workouts is like, you get those like really like feel good hormones and emotions, like just so quick, but like with slow, like movements, you're like, what, what are we doing here? Like, this is a little boring, like, come on. And so when I really started to tap into, you know, yoga specifically, I understood that, okay, this is not just a movement for my body. It's actually a movement for my mind. Um, and this is a safe space for me and my thoughts. This is a safe space for me and healing. And so when I discovered Pilates, I moved to San Francisco late last year. I just kept seeing it everywhere. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try it. Like, you know, I, I just really want to be strong in my body and be able to push it to its limits using my own body weight. Because I felt like, you know, there was a time where I could bench press like almost 200 pounds, but I couldn't do like 10 perfect body weight pushups. And that didn't make sense to me that like I, my relationship with my body and exercise was just so off. And so I really wanted to just kind of like recalibrate that. And so when I started going to Pilates, like, I was like, wow, like this is this is hard, like holding a plank. Oh my God, like this is tough. And so I was just like, you know, the name of the game of Pilates, like it's all about being slow. And that's everything that is opposite to life as we know it today. Like it's just go, 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 go. When I'm in Pilates and I'm doing a slow movement, that is hard as anything, but I'm literally just like, you just have to breathe through it. When I tell you, Lauren, how that transfers to life is just indescribable like going into work and I have like you know a bad moment for example you know with my boss or something and I'm just like this is terrible like I I don't want to be in this but it's like you train yourself in something like Pilates to just breathe through a very stressful moment and that carries over into your life and so it's like okay here I am in a very uncomfortable situation how am I going to get through it? And the only way that you can even begin to think about how to get through things is to just slow down and to have poise and to just understand that everything's going to be okay. Just breathe through it. So I literally like retrain myself like to understand that through Pilates. And it's actually, it, it's just so amazing how like sometimes when you pick up a physical activity, like something like Pilates, you, you think you're going for all these, you know, physical benefits, which obviously they do offer that, but it's like the mental and just emotional, even spiritual benefits that you get from something like that is just so unmatched. Oh my gosh. I have cheers, like literally chills. <laughs> chills. Oh my gosh. Because so I have recently been in the gym. Well, okay. I, I want to give extra context. So my sister, she just loves moving her body. She loves being in the gym. She loves working out. She's a unicorn. She just, she loves it. I, <laughs> I love moving my body. You see me doing solo dance parties all the time. And I love that. I've had to learn how to love being back in the gym but the workouts that she has me do, they are slow. They are steady. It's really all about like technique and like weightlifting and really very similar in Pilates where you're focusing in on like certain parts of your body, but you're doing it very slow. Like we rarely do cardio. I love cardio because as you said, like it gets you moving, all those endorphins. My sister hates cardio. So <laughs> we typically do like the, the slower things, but 
it does something to your brain and reconditions you and to breathe through the things like really focus in on your breathing and to really, again, get recentered. And I've sometimes shared it on my Instagram stories where like, I'll share kind of like my thoughts for the day. And I feel like in moving my body, because I mean, I, I know for me and working out, like I, I move my body, not only for health, but just for like my mental health as well too. It goes hand in hand. So like my physical health and mental health and just if it makes me feel like I'm regaining my power back, but it also just gives me such clarity. Like um, your brain, cause I think that, you know, throughout the day, like our brains can feel so cloudy and there's so many things going on and like so many tabs open. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in, when I work out, especially in those slow workouts, I just, I'm like really, utilizing this muscle to like focus in on that one thing to be present in this mm-hmm. moment to like reconnect with like what I'm actually thinking in my thoughts and everything and it feels so good like I complain before I go but then afterwards I'm like oh I'm so happy and even even if it's not a gym sometimes we do stuff at home but like it just makes a switch come on and I just feel back recentered and I feel the same way when I'm meditating I feel the same way again just staying in like the stillness and like the quiet and I usually wear my um, noise canceling headphones at the gym as well too because I'm just like just trying to get recentered with myself so I I would love to try Pilates I've heard so many amazing things about it and also how like hard it could be as well too but like I feel like yeah that would totally be up my alley I've also done Peloton and oh my gosh the Disney Peloton workouts are the best like I love those So yeah, I love it all. I feel like it's just been such a great thing just to add in my everyday and and to try not to think of this thing of like what I have to do more so of just like reminding myself that I'm doing it for my body, for my mental health. And that kind of flips the narrative for me. Yeah, for sure. And it's definitely like you get to do it. Like when I had my final surgery, I was back in New Jersey because of COVID And we had just moved, our family just moved to a different neighborhood and there was just more like sidewalks, like just more like parks. Like it was just very like cul-de-sac-y. I was just like, this is great. Like I get to wake up and like walk in like a safe neighborhood or, you know, go for a run and not feel fearful. Just even exercising in that or moving your body in that way. I, I have the privilege of safety. I have the privilege that, you know, I could you know, afford to go to these workouts. Like I have the privilege that I have friends that can join me. So just, I feel like when you just bring gratitude in any situation in your life, like it just makes it just so much more wholesome and more fulfilling. And it helps you not focus on, you know, the minute things. Yes. I love that gratitude shift. I know my brain is so quick to look at it as like a a task, <laughs> mm-hmm. something else on the to-do list. But I think, yeah, bringing in that gratitude and understanding of that privilege and that allowance to be able to do that. And as you were saying previously before, sometimes we take a granted of, of like the small things. And this is completely really small to your injury, but I can even, my brain immediately goes to, you know, when you get like a paper cut or like a hangnail or like anything like that, yeah. that it's so small and so minuscule, but it hurts so bad. Yes. Like it is just That's like so the worst. Uh- <laughs> I know. I hate it. And like, you have to get, you know, you have to get into the shower. It's going to burn. Like it's this whole, it's just this whole thing. 
even being thankful that like oh i have like no like paper cuts like no you know like just those little like small things you don't even think about or that we do take for granted but yeah i i often think about that though because i'm just like man like even the smallest things can like hurt so badly but i'm so happy that you've shared your journey and not only like your journey of from your like your injury into um becoming a registered dietitian nutritionist like but also just like your uh, mental health journey as well and you've done just such a, a i think a really beautiful job of that and i wanted you to share more about your relationship with yourself and in terms of like your mental health and everything and mm-hmm. how what was that journey looking like during everything else that was going on in your life at the time wow that is a loaded question for sure but <laughs> i have a very similar <laughs> upbringing to you where you know my parents were divorced mm-hmm. when i was younger i wasn't even like young i was like 11 or 12 so preteen ish that's a time where as a girl in school, like things are tough. Like you're going through puberty, like you're going just through all the things. Like it's just the worst time to be a girl. (laughs) So it was just a really tough time for me because at that time, my older brothers, like they were getting ready to go to college. Like we just weren't as close in the household. So home just never felt like home to me. And, you know, going to school and being able to have, you know, basketball and just these different families, like just chosen families that I had, like really, really saved me. And I wouldn't even say that I was close to Christ or close to God at that time. Like I'm Nigerian. And so being in the church is um, something that's important to our family. But just because you know of God doesn't mean that you know him or have a relationship with him and not even talking about religion either, because I also went to a Catholic school. So it's like I had all these things that made sense that, okay, I should be someone who is like, God, like, you know, you're so good, all this stuff. But I was like, God, this sucks. Like, what is my life right now? Like, this is this is terrible. And, and, and I think it's okay to be honest about those things and come to God with those raw and real emotions. And that's how it is authentic. But during that time, I was not close with my mom at all. Like I was a daddy's girl, like through and through, and I still am. I felt like as a child, um, and especially as the only girl in our family, I was just always kind of put in a position to choose. I hated that. Like my parents, especially, you know, especially my mom, like just kind of wanted me to pick sides. And it was just always like, you know, you're the girl, you're supposed to be behind your mom. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm a child. I just want love. Like, you know what I mean? And it's like, I I felt like I had really tough experiences growing up that yes, it made me so strong, but I didn't need to be strong as a child. I just needed to be loved. I just needed, Mm. you know, someone to tell me it was going to be okay. And, you know, make me feel beautiful when the boy that I liked in eighth grade didn't like me back. like just small things (laughs) like that. that were just so big in your life when you're that young. When I went to college, I obviously like wasn't in New Jersey and that was amazing to me. Like I never got homesick or anything like that because I, like I said, my home wasn't a home. Like it was just always easy for me to just be away and sports really provided me that outlet. I don't know where I would be today if I did not have sports. I was definitely somebody who self-harmed. I was someone who... I had all the suicide notes written, like it was just, Mm. I just needed a way out and sports really provided me with that. But it was also like, 
okay, you're only on the basketball court for a certain amount of time. You still have to go home at night. So what are we doing in the house? And so for me, writing was my outlet. Like that was my saving grace because, you know, all you would hear is like my parents fighting or things like that. And I would just write stories and like poems and like just get lost in that. I'm always about art because art is just, it's just love and poetry and emotion. And it just really helps you, I don't know, just help you go through what you're going through and express it in a way that is just safe and unique and authentic to you because speaking up was something that was also really, really hard for me. Like I just, I felt like I didn't have a voice in the house. I felt like I couldn't voice my opinions because, you know, when you see your parents doing something wrong, like, what do you know? You're the kid. It's like, you know, you don't know any better, but it's like, I don't know. I still know right from wrong. Like that's not right. Or that's not, you know? So it's, it's like, I, I also could never use my voice. And so writing was one of those ways that helped me to articulate really difficult feelings and emotions and put it, you know, to paper. Like even today, like if I, for example, get in a fight with like a boy or something, I have to write it out. Like I, I just get so just like anxious and like nervous to like say and articulate things. And then I forget what I want to say. So I just always have to write it like out first. Yeah. Writing was really, really important um, to me and obviously having basketball as well. But, you know, when I did go through my injuries as well and you know, the one thing that took me out of the house, which was basketball, I no longer had for an extended period of time. Like, that was very, very tough as well, and kind of went through those really low lows again. But I would say the turning point in my life was after COVID, I found out that my ex was cheating on me with my best friend, who was my best friend at the time. Um, Mm. And we were during a three-year relationship. And when I tell you, like, something in me just, like, broke. Like, it's just words that you can just, or it's a feeling that you just can't, you just can't describe, you just cannot describe it. It's not anything I would wish upon, like, my worst enemy or anything like that. Um, But it was just something about not being chosen that I was like, why do I keep going outside of myself to find somebody to choose me? I really just said, God, my way, my plan, it sucks. Like it, it just, I've been doing it my way for how long and look at where it's gotten me. Like it's got me to where the the smallest thing breaks me. The smallest thing makes me revert to suicidal ideation. Like the smallest thing, like gets me into relationships that I shouldn't even have chosen. And And it's just like all in an effort to be chosen and all in an effort to be loved because I just didn't have that in the home. So I was just always searching for it outside of myself. It is a privilege to be Nigerian because, you know, the church is very strong. Like it's a strong foundation for us. So it's like I've always been exposed to the idea of God and Jesus and stuff. But some people don't even have that privilege to begin with, to have that as a source of, okay, maybe this is an avenue that I can explore um, to find some kind of like solace to my problems. So I do want to acknowledge that that is like a privilege first and foremost to even be exposed to that. But so yeah, when I was at my lowest, it was just, or when I found that out, that that's what happened. 
it just, it was seriously like an out of body experience. And I surrender, like I, Mm. I fully completely surrender because I was just on this journey to just understand what does God say about me? Because I'm so fixated on what everyone else thinks. I'm so fixated on whether I'm worthy enough to other people who are equally as broken as I am. That makes no sense to me. You know, if a toy is broken, you have to go to the manufacturer to repair it. Mm -hmm. So I was just on, it was a summer before I moved to San Diego for the internship. I was just on this journey, rediscovering like who I am and who God created me to be. And I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I just... It was just this beautiful dance that I had with God that summer that every morning I would wake up, I would sit on the porch, I would get my Bible out, I would journal like no other. I would just put myself through all these like shadow prompts to just, just uncover all these whys, uncover my truths that I thought was the truth. And just because it's, I feel like it's my truth, quote unquote, I don't think it's the truth. Because I was labeling myself as X, Y, and Z, but it was in direct contradiction of everything God said I was. God said I was worthy. He says that I'm loved. He says that I'm all these beautiful things. And here I am operating under a different belief that I'm X, Y, and Z. If I believed that I was loved, if I believed that I was chosen, I would not be seeking all of these, you know, relationships that left me broken and hurt and all those things because I wouldn't have to search for love I wouldn't have to you know what do you know what I'm trying to say and so it was so crazy too because when I was applying for um, my dietetic internships I only actually applied to one other school which would put me back in the same in the same campus as my ex and my best friend when I found out that I was accepted to that school we were all excited we were like oh like we should like be roommates, like we should go to farmer's markets. It's just going to be such a fun time. I was so hyped up. But something in me, something deep down in me did not feel right about it. And the internship there was like, you know, you need to pull your internship out of the other places that you've applied to. Something in me told me, no, like keep your, keep your application in UCSD, like keep your application. I didn't know why. I thought I bombed that interview. Match day comes. I find out that I matched to UCSD and I only had 24 hours to accept it. So I prayed on it. I called on my mentors. Then I was like, okay, I I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to move to California all of a sudden in three months. Like it, it wasn't the financially smart choice. Like none of the things were adding up. Like when I tell you this was a faith move, it, it literally gives me chills. And so I gave my acceptance in. I pulled my other acceptance out. And then a month later, I found out everything that happened between my ex and my best friend. When I tell you, like, the chills, like, when I was, like, I was about, I was about to literally put myself in another position for somebody else to choose me. It was just a cycle and of just toxicity. And from that point on, it was just, like, okay, got, you got this. Like you are clearly like, you know what you're doing. Like I, I just, I, I trust you. And so ever since that moment that really taught me to surrender, I have not looked back. And 
it's really become a very beautiful journey of putting myself first because I've really nourished and understand what self-love means. And when I tell you, like, choosing me is the best thing that I've ever learned. Like, I, it almost makes me so excited to have, like, a daughter one day and just instill these things, like, in her from the jump and not have her, like, discover it 25 years later. Like, I am just, just so humbled of how God has really taught me to put myself first. And now that applies to every single thing in my life. Like, and that just means treating myself with love, with kindness, with patience, all those things. So I treat myself to the best food. Like I eat foods that are nutritious, that are nourishing to my body. I exercise to, you know, make my mind feel good, to put myself at ease. Like it's no longer like, you know, focusing on calories burned or looking a certain way. It's all about how I feel. Even getting dressed for the day, like I iron my clothes, like I just do the best for myself because I treat myself the way God would treat me. The boundaries, honey, I know how to make boundaries. Like I I don't sleep, I don't lose sleep at night. Like it's just, I just wish that everyone could just experience like just the level of self-love and just awareness and peace that like I've found. I don't know. I just feel like the world will be a much better place. <laughs> Thank you so much for for being so vulnerable and and sharing your story. I oh, it, it tugs at my heart because oh my gosh, I'm like I don't think there's one person on the planet that cannot relate to either heartbreak or betrayal or feeling that want to be loved and to be seen and to be heard. And uh, yeah, it, I mean, it just, and it takes me back to, cause I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yep. Like that is just so reminiscent of my own story and everything. But you know, I, one, I'm so grateful for your existence, but then two, that you have chosen yourself, right? Because I, I just think that we have so much love to give which is a beautiful thing, right? Like we are filled with love and we want to share it with those that we we care about, those that we love, family, friendships, relationships. But I, I have found the most important place that that love can go back to is us. Mm-hmm. And especially if you've ever gone through anything traumatic and just trauma in general and unhealed trauma I never knew this until I was in therapy, but it could just like come out in like so many different ways and not even in the ways that you like think about, but in the ways that like, and who we have in our lives, what our actions, how we're speaking and thinking about ourselves, like just so many things. And looking back at my relationships and friendship breakups and relationship, I mean, you went through both at the same time, which is unimaginable. But I, but I do think as awful and as horrific as that is, it's like, I've always tried to think about this where I feel like God will always show you people as they are versus sometimes how we see them, their potential, who they could be. Cause like, we always want to, you know, believe in everyone. And I, actually heard this advice and I think I'm going to start adapting it in terms of the word belief, which is, you know, essentially that is, you know, whatever it is, even though it, it couldn't be, you may not necessarily a hundred percent know. So rather than say believe, like I definitely feel like I need to start saying, I know, let's see, like, I know God, mm-hmm. I know myself. I know because that just like 
confirms it, right? It just confirms that like, because we know ourselves and because we know like exactly what is good for us, exactly where the boundaries need to be, exactly how we should be moving forward, exactly what our faith is, what we, what we do know about what that faith can look like to us. I don't know. It just, it just, it feels more powerful, right? That rather than just like a belief um, because it is more powerful than just believing. It's like you actually do know. And then once you know, as you said, boundaries go up, you feel you almost create even more so of this like protection of yourself, both physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and that inner work starts to happen. And I kind of laugh at myself because I think back to like previous relationships both romantic and in friendship. And at first I'm like, how the, why the heck did I even like allow, you know what I mean? Like being in that situation, doing that, whatever, like, Lord, what the hell were you thinking? Or like being in certain situations. However, it's like, but if I didn't go through that and not to say that, like, cause I know that sometimes people will say like, oh, well, I went through this and so now I'm stronger. Mm, I would to me, I wouldn't say that. I don't think that I'm stronger for it, but mm-hmm. I think that I just have now gained the wisdom from it. It's gonna some pain takes longer to heal than others, and some is continuous mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. There's a lot of healing that's gonna take for the rest of my life to heal from. That's just the reality yeah. of it. I've had to accept that. Uh, yeah, but if anything, I've just gained wisdom, and I it's something that I'm like, okay, I can take the, with this with me, and as you said, either pass it down to a child one day, pass it down to yourself, and to keep going through um, and moving forward every day and choosing life every single day, which it is a choice at the end of the day of like choosing, okay, I'm going to do today. I'm going to do tomorrow and so on and so forth. Yeah, I would, like you said, uh, you made a really good point about like, you know, you could just have a belief, but then like also to know it, but I feel like it is a daily choice. Like, I feel like that's what people People are searching the world for the answers of how to heal, what exactly, like, I bet every person listening to this right now has at least, like, 20 self-help books, like, in their room or something. Like, everyone says the exact same thing. Like, it's not, it's not rocket science per se, but it's just the discipline to understand that it's a choice. Like, and every single day, like, you're not going to want to make that choice. And that's okay. Like, I feel like we need to normalize, like, how we are as humans like human we're fickle people and our emotions fluctuate and that's okay like that is just a part of the human experience but it's also just being strong enough to just keep choosing you and every single day and what that might like some days like when I'm like depressed and it it just comes out sometimes choosing me just looks like getting up taking a shower and going right back to bed and then some days Mm. choosing is just getting up, going to Pilates, getting my matcha latte, getting all the things done. But but every single day, I'm making some kind of choice of to choose me. And it looks Mm -hmm. different every day. And I feel like people want, you know, an exact blueprint. And it's like, it's never, our experiences are too, they're not worthy of comparison. Like first and foremost, like what you have gone through, like, like, I honor that. And it's completely different from what I may have gone through. But just understanding that there is a choice. And I think something that God has really just taught me is like, he loves us so much to give us choices. If you don't have a choice, it's not it's not love. So if you're not choosing you, like you're not loving you. And so I had to really like understand that the days where it was tough, 
tough. Like Lauren, like some days, like my best was just saying hi to my mom. Like literally, like literally, like some mm. and just going right back in the bed and crying. Like sometimes that was my best, and that was okay. I had to honor that because you can't appreciate the highs without appreciating those lows. But you know, you know first and foremost, like if you chose you and if you did your best like with you and you did the best with what you had. And so, you know, when we go through these, you know, really painful experiences, okay, our our life is like a house and we have to think about the foundation that it's on. So if we're pain in our life and we're making choices that are in the best interest of that pain, if we're, you know, not being kind to people, if we're, we're being, um, resentful if we're just being like just mean people like those are all choices like as a result of our pain and all that's doing is just building walls of protection around you that no one's going to be able to get in no one's going to be able to love you you're not going to be in a state to receive that love like things just aren't going to change or you can knock those walls down which is the scary part because then you're exposed and nobody wants to be exposed everyone just wants to be loved for who they are and we put up those walls just in case people don't love us for who we are but if we are exposed we do have the choice to take those bricks and just rebuild the foundation because I feel like it all starts in our foundation and that goes back to just that self-love and so we have that new foundation yes we can let love in like we can we can build a new home that has windows and it has a door where you can let love in and if someone doesn't teach you you can let them out and that's where the boundaries come in but it is just about choosing like daily just making small daily choices something that helped me learn that and actually put that into like practical terms was i used to suck at brushing my teeth at night And like, for some reason, like, I just wouldn't do it. Like, I just, I just can't do it. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to take one activity that I know that I just suck at, but it's going to be an activity that I'm going to retrain myself to believe that I need to do this activity to show myself that I'm worthy to be shown up for. And so every night that summer before I went to bed, go brush my teeth. Dude, when I tell you how, like, my bed was just so comfortable some days that I just did not want to get up. I told myself, you are responsible for you. You need to show yourself that you are worthy to be shown up for and that you love you. So I would get my butt up, go brush my teeth. And now, like, of course, it's like second nature to me now. But some days, like, I'm literally like, that's the last thing I ever, like, want to do. And obviously, I'm in a better state um, than I was then. But I still tell myself, nope, you're worthy to be shown up for. Go get your butt up and go brush your teeth. And that was something that helped me to like practically understand that, that like it's the daily choices that prove to you that you love you and you and you will show up for you. We have spoken about this on the pot before in terms of your existence being your worthiness and really reconditioning our brains to understand that concept, to understand 
how to pour back into ourselves, show up for ourselves within our mindsets. And depending on what the day looks like, depending on what you've gone through for the day, because as you said before, too, I mean, sometimes uh, my day just looked like me breathing like that. That was it. I, I took my breath for the day. And now that's that's it. I just feel that I, I know this both from experience and just seeing the resilience of everyone in my life. We can go through so much and and not in comparing pain i just think that our capabilities within us and what we've been equipped within us that we can't even see like that right there gives me comfort because it's like no matter what this world is going to take me through and even in the moment even if i feel like okay like this is it like that i i can't but just in knowing that actually, no, like I can't, like I am, I am capable. I am worthy. I am loved. I am here. It's like that probably the hardest thing is remembering that, right? It's like, it's not that we're not that it's just the fact that we have to remember that we are that at all times and everything, embracing that in every single choice and everything that we do. And then sharing that as well, too. I think in conversations like these and, and really vocalizing the things that we are internally going through or just or just in whatever we want to share. I just feel like there's power in vocalizing, there's power in sharing because our voices can really get lost, muffled, disconnected, silenced, mm-hmm. feeling like you don't have a voice it could be so isolating and you could feel so alone. And then that alone feeling then transpires every, you know, everything else. And it just kind of feels like this tower moment. So mm-hmm. I think that like the more that we can vocalize our emotions, the more that we can vocalize what's going on in our brains, the more that we can vocalize and really tap into everything that we have going on within us. Oh my gosh. Like then I feel like that inner work can start and that healing can start. And we really start to understand that like there's so many people on this green earth that even though they're not in our experience but have gone through something similar and it's like Mm -hmm. to me there's comfort in that it's like okay like I'm not alone in the things that I've gone through and there is like this light at the end of the tunnel there's there's hope that like we can keep going and we can still have that resilience and in your house analogy which brings me to your book the porch which is something that i think is so powerful that you wrote so it's a 20 something's guide to an authentic relationship with god healing and self-love in the 21st century i'd love for you to take us through this book and what it's meant for you your inspiration for writing it and just how it's empowered you in your own life writing was always my refuge growing up and i was always like i want to be a writer like when i grow up I was like, what would I even like write about? (laughs) The summer that everything happened, I, like I said, was sitting on the porch, like clockwork and like spent an hour or two of just really doing inner work and healing. The summer that I drove across the country to move to San Diego, I, oh my God, it was like a movie moment, but um, I was just, um, I got like a, a feeling and I, whipped out my phone and made like a voice recording. I'm like, this time next year, like, I'm going to publish a book. Like, it's going to help like, you know, find people find healing and point them to God. And I'm going to share my story. And, you know, it's just going to be this great thing. Like, just really like hyping this up. And it was just like a voice memo to myself. I started writing it throughout my internship, actually, which was crazy, because the internship was 
you know, 40 hours a week on top of case studies, like homework projects, things like that. But I really set out time. I was like, I'm going to do this and I want to finish it before my 25th birthday. Like just something about putting a quarter of a century, you know, behind me. Like I just felt like this was just going to be so monumental. So I started the draft during the internship and I, when I tell you, it was like therapy. Like I was like, oh my, because I had to revisit so many painful memories. And then I also felt like a sense of guilt of talking about these things that, that scarred me. And, And these were things that involved, you know, my parents and people that I truly loved and still love. And I will always love them, but it was like, you can love someone, but they still hurt you. And to talk about that hurt, there was just some like guilt that I was facing, knowing that this was something that if I published it, it's it's out there. It's it's real. It, it made me feel like I said guilty, but also like empowered. Like why why would I go through this not to talk about it? Like I feel like that's the point. Like that that's the point of uh, life and this human experience is that we go through we go through stuff. We get we get through them and then we help people who will go through it again because I feel like the things that we go through you know and I honor the things people go through but we all know the the feelings of the pain of betrayal of all these things to different intensities of course um, and I honor that but it's like like you said to share those things and let people know that they aren't alone because for some reason even though there's billions upon billions of people on this planet we still feel alone. And I'm just we like, never that. think about it. Yeah. There's gotta be somebody else that knows what this feels like. <laughs> in the moment, you're like, gosh, I'm the only one. But, um, but yeah, I was just like, that, that's, that's the point of this thing. And so I finished, I, I got my goal of finishing the draft by my, by my birthday. And then I took a month to just kind of sit with it. I was like, are are you okay with what you're putting out there? Are you okay? Because this is some crazy stuff. Like you've been through some stuff, girl. And are you okay with letting the world know that? Um, one of the things like I was specifically scared about was being Nigerian. My parents are so like in the church um, and very old school and old fashioned. And I was, my ex was a girl. And I was very scared that if my dad reads this, who's my best friend, what is it going to think that I dated a girl? Like, you know, it was just so much. I was like, are you okay with what you're about to put out there? So I took a month, sat through it. And then I took another two months to edit. I did all the editing myself, like all the proofreading myself. So it took a long time. I asked one of my friends who is an artist in New Jersey to draw the cover and the back cover for me because she, she draws very like whimsical art and it's very childlike. And I actually, for the author picture of the book, I used my baby picture because I just wanted people to understand that this whole thing about self-love, it, it, it all points back to this child you that, you know, is lost somewhere in there. Like you had to grow up so fast and it all goes back to making that little you feel safe again in this body. I chose her to do the cover because I wanted it to be very kid-like and to just honor that, hey, little me, I see you. We, we did it. We, we grew up. We wrote the book. We published the book. We did the things. And yes, you made it. And so it was like a, just an honor back to younger me, 
me and you actually talked about just like the process of self-publishing and how that went. Um, and that was such a huge help and I'm forever grateful for you. But basically the book is um, broken up into three parts. So the first part talks about the three relationships that I was looking fiercely to be chosen. So it talks about my mom, it talks about one of my basketball coaches, and then it talks about my ex. And it was these three relationships that kind of broke me. I truly believe that there are some wounds, if you have the courage to uncover them and and face them, push you closer to God. And that's, that's a choice too, to see it that way. And I just kind of took a second back when I found out about my ex um, and the betrayal, I back and said, whoa, 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 there's a pattern here. Like as much as I want to put blame on everyone else, I still have to put the mirror on me because as much as, you know, what they did hurt me and all these things, I still chose these people. I said, granted, my mom's different, but I still chose these people to be a part of my life. Like what, what about the, the trend of my choices is this teaching me? Like there has to be, because it's the same result over and over again. So I think if we really take the courage to put the mirror on ourselves, which is so dang scary sometimes to be like, hold up, like, I may be the problem. Like it might, it might, it just might be me. Like, so just to have, because we don't want to be wrong. Like we don't, we don't want to be wrong. We hate being wrong. And I hate being wrong, but I had to just really uncover like the trend behind the people, I, the type of people I was choosing to be in my life. And so the second part talks about my relationship with God, like everything that he just poured into me that summer when I sat on the porch, just how, you know, he gives us the option to like, to choose and how everything basically in this life for me and how he kind of explained it to me is a choice of love or it's a choice of fear. And I was understanding that so many of the choices and manifestations in my life were just choices of just fear. I was just choosing fear. Like I was choosing people that didn't love me. I was choosing situations that I knew didn't love me, places that didn't love me. When when you just have all those manifestations, look back to the root of it. It all came from fear for me. If that's true of fear, like it must be true of love. So how can I start actually choosing love? And so the third part talks about all the small, like actionable, like steps, like habits, mindsets that I started to adopt that helped me to understand how to choose love and how to choose me and how to make that choice every single day. Because like I said, it's a choice every day. Like you just don't wake up one day and you're healed. No one is ever healed. Like we are constantly healing. And so we have to honor that this is a lifelong journey. And so how did, how can that look like in this century with, you know, social media and just the things that we go through as, you know, millennials and Gen Z these days um, and how that's a little bit different a 20 somethings guide to just healing. Like, should they want to find healing? Like the work is so hard and it's so scary. And, and I think that's the beauty of it though. Like when you can just finally like uncover these things and finally take your power back and finally understand that like you have a say in how any of this goes, like you have a choice in how any of this goes, like life does not happen to you. Like it happens for you, but like, you have to choose to see it that way. And so I felt when I finally like published it and everything, like 
it just felt like my life's mission and purpose like was complete. Like it just, it just felt like everything after the fact is just extra blessings. Like, I just feel like I did what I was put on this earth to do. Like I used the talent, I used pain that I had and turned it into something beautiful. I'm so proud of it. And sometimes it's just so hard to like, even pick it up some days because I'm just like, I went through some stuff like that is scary stuff. And I was the anxiety I felt Lauren, like knowing that, you know, members of my family were reading it. I'm like, Oh my God, like they're never going to see me the same. And I'm like, that's the point. Like that is the point. Like, this is the point. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about, it's about what God did for me and how he took this mess and made it into something beautiful. And my favorite thing about the book is I actually wrote a dedication page to my um, seventh grade teacher who one day he was like, you need to write a book. Like, this is your calling. Like, if you don't write a book one day, like, you you failed. Like, what are you doing? And so I, I actually, like, like, scoured, like, LinkedIn trying to find him or whatever. So I finally found him, got in contact with him. And I said, hey, like, I, I did it. I, I What you told me to do when I was, like, 12, I did it. And I sent him the book. And it was just, like, a total, like, full circle moment. So something I'm definitely, like, very proud of. Wow. Oh, I'm I'm so unbelievably proud of you. I love that you just poured your heart and soul into this. And when you decided to name it The Porch, I didn't realize that at the time we were talking about your book and I was I was because I was just I was like so excited. I was like freaking out. <laughs> I was so excited. But in terms of The Porch, what comes to my mind, I'm thinking about my own porch in my childhood home you know there was so much that was going on in my household I mean and as yours like there was things that you know I couldn't vocalize and the moment that I stepped onto my porch right before I got to the pavement of my driveway and then the car to go to school there was a a switch that happened right where it's like whatever was going on in the house at the time like you had to code switch it and you had to pretend like everything was okay everything was good you put a smile on your face you walk with your head held high and you just walk down the steps and I can just remember being back in that and just uh just like feeling the weight of the world on my tiny little shoulders and so for you to pick that name and then to see the metamorphosis of you, I was like, oh my <laughs> gosh. It like, again, just gives chills because now it's stepping out onto that porch. You're stepping into your truth. You're stepping into your voice and who you are. And there's no more of this masking. It's like you are exposed. You are you are sharing everything and really putting everything on the table as in actually in the illustration like there's like this little tiny little table wow like how powerful is that like how powerful and how freeing as well too because I I think that's the other part of it that you know I I had shared a a solo episode of like my own personal story and Mm -hmm. I was I was terrified as you were like because in sharing your truth especially when you have like you know, friends, family, like the whole thing. It's like, there's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of scaries, a lot of dinosaurs running around. There's a lot of fear, but at the same time, once you're, once you do it, it's just, I don't know. It just feels the most freeing thing. And now I just feel like, okay, like deep breath, like 
it's out there it's done like and now i just feel like the the power is back and never ever ever again will i be silenced in my truth and i feel the same for you like and i just think that you've done this so beautifully and and impactfully too thank you i oh my gosh i remember when i sent the copy to my dad it was like my best friend. like we talk about everything like i'm a daddy's girl through and through and just the anxiety of him reading it because you know i talked about growing up in the house and like what that did to me and just the manifestations of like wanting to feel worthy like by boys and want to be chosen and all those things and and i remember I sent the book to him and he was on a flight to Nigeria and he used that flight to read the entire book. And we finally talked about it. And when I tell you, like my heart was pounding so hard because it was so crazy how you can learn these things and teach yourself these things when, when you're healing, but they're always going to be a part of you. Like those shadows are always going to be a part of you. And so something deep down in me was like, Oh my God, like what if he reads this and doesn't choose me anymore? Like I, and I was like that, the, that fear is always going to be there because it's just so, it's just so deeply ingrained in me now. Like it's a part of me like that, that shadow is just, I just call him a friend. Like that's just a friend to me right now. And that friend started coming out when I knew my dad was reading it. He's like, I'm so proud of you. And when I tell you, I like broke down, like crying, like, he's like, I'm so proud of you. And, and I'm like, what did you think? Like, you know, and, you know, trying to just get like it out of him. He's just like, I, I cried like so much. Like, he's like, I obviously didn't know that the divorce like had these impacts on you and things like that. And it was just such a beautiful moment. I I obviously have like fears, you know, if my mom reads it because she's one of the chapters that, you know, the book is about and and that's a very integral part of the book. So just just having those fears, but it's like knowing that what you do, especially in your creative pursuits, it's never it's never about you. It's never about you. And you have to be humble enough to understand that this is going to help somebody else heal. Like this is the, this is going to be the blueprint for somebody else finding healing and finding love and finding just like true peace in their life. So just understanding that it's never about you and as scary as it can feel like, I'm just like, okay, it happened. It's a part of me. Like I can either use it to, you know, like I said, build walls that, are just going to keep love out or I can use it to rebuild my foundation. And when you, when you choose the latter, like when you put your creativity and your love out into the world, like that, that's literally putting love out into the world when you are able to use your creativity and your voice. And that's just going to help people heal. So just understanding that it is never about you helps sometimes with the fear of it being out there. Congrats, babe. I'm again, I'm so proud of you. This is so phenomenal. And thank you so much for continuing to share your story, share your voice. And I mean, the positive impact that it's had on people's lives is unmeasurable. So where can everyone find you? Yeah, so they can find me if you want to read the book. It's on Amazon. But also if you want to work with a dietitian, um, I have my private practice, Priority Nutrition. 
um, as well. And of course, you can find me on Instagram. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for blooming with us today. And again, I just think that you are a world changer. And it's just so exciting to see everything that you're continuing to bloom in the world. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. I feel so humbled to be here today. So thank you. And that wraps up another episode of The Bloom Pod. Thank you so much for joining us for today's conversation. Seriously, every single one always becomes our newest favorite. At Helen Blue Media, it is our number one mission to make sure that all women feel seen, heard, and included. If you aren't already, we would love for you to go give Hello Blue Media a follow on Instagram. You can find us at Hello Blue Media or at www.hellobluemedia.com. Until next time, everyone. Bloom, Bloom on! on.